Hello and welcome to another episode of the Girls in Work podcast. This week we're chatting with Jen. Jen is an earthquake engineer, a military officer and most recently a leader and a mentor. She shares with us her experiences both inside and outside of the military as well as sharing her best leadership advice too. And as someone who's had to lead 1800 people during her career, we'd say she's pretty good at it. But we'll leave Jen to tell you more. Okay, so Jen, could you just give us a little bit of an overview as to what you do now um, and what your career has been like so far? Because I know that this is going to be a good story and how it's all helped you get to where you are now. Absolutely. I wear many hats in my life. So one hat is as an engineer and I'm a very rare type of engineer. I'm an earthquake engineer. So I study earthquakes and where is the fault? How big is the fault? What's the probability that the fault is going to rupture? And then given if we're on rock or soil, like those seismic waves, you know, how much is that actually going to shake your structure, your house or your building? And so that's what I do as an engineer. So that's one hat. The other hat is as a military officer, and I've been a military officer for 24 years of my life, and I also do engineering for them as well, but it's very different. I do expeditionary engineering for them, and what that means is I've deployed to Iraq, I've deployed to Afghanistan, and what we do is we drive out into the middle of the desert and circle up the the trucks, point the guns out, and then we build in the middle, and we build water wells, you know, for the local populace if that's what's needed, or if the Marines or the Brits or whoever it is, needs some type of structure or a camp or a base camp, that's what we do. And so we drive out in the middle of nowhere, point the guns out, stay in the middle, get everything done that we need to. They come in and occupy it. We pick up and then we go and we do something else. And the third hat, which is sort of what's kind of culminating today, is I get to talk to people about leadership and mentorship. And it's something that I find really is appealing to me because I've made so many mistakes in my life so far and I've had things so hard. And if I can help others to be better leaders, to be better mentors. That's what it's really all about. So those are my three hats, just as an engineer, as an officer, and then as a, as a leader and a mentor. That's amazing. Goodness. How did you get in? Did, is there like the military, was that something you always wanted to do in the engineering or was it something you kind of found by accident or like, how did that happen? I really found it by accident. I went to Texas A&M University and I was an engineer and I had a lot of, I had a lot of angst. I had a lot of energy and all of my friends were just going down to Houston, Texas, and they were going to work in an office and get coffee for people. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I need to, I need to get out. I need to, I need to see the world. There's so many things to see in the world. And I started to look at the army and the Navy. The Navy was the best fit for me. And so I joined the Navy and was able to use my engineering degree for that. And they sent me all over the world. I've done drilling and blasting in Alaska. I've built things on small islands in the Pacific. I've had the opportunity to do so many great things. And that I just sort of fell into it. And it was the best choice of my life. Do you know what? 99% of people we ask that question to, they always say they fell into it. And I find it so fascinating how many people fall into the careers. And even yourself, you've had the most incredible career so far. And you fell into it as well. And I just think it shows how it, it's funny, isn't it? How much pressure we put on ourselves when we're younger when actually we don't need to put that pressure on ourselves to figure out what we want to do when we're young because we will we will find our way into what we want to do. Um, And this is a bit off topic. It's not a question we, <laughs> we were meant to ask. But um, where is your favourite place you've been? My favourite place was in Bali. At that time, I was dating this handsomely devilish you know, guy <laughs> that I met in the Navy and we went there and we had this fabulous time in Bali. Uh, spent about a week 
there, but it was so beautiful. It was so natural. We were able to do so many activities. That, that was probably one of the best places I've had a chance to visit. But as far as the military, probably the, my most favorite place that I've ever been was to this tiny little island in Alaska. And so I was in charge of 18 people and we were doing drilling and blasting. And it, I, I do, it sounds like a pun, but it really is a blast. You know, it's like, it is like so much fun. You're out there, you're drilling all day, you're in the elements. It was stowing on us, it was raining on us. There was huge mosquitoes. But at the end of the day, you got to pack the holes with all kinds of explosives and, you know, hit the button and things are blowing up everywhere. I was like, oh, this is this is fun. This is really fun and exciting. So that that was my favorite place. I have to say that sounds a lot more exciting than my job right now. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> I love my job, but that sounds incredible. It does. Okay, so I feel like this might be quite a difficult question, but if you were to choose something, what would you say is your favorite thing about what you do now? The favorite thing about what I do right now is talk to people. I've made, again, so many mistakes in my life whenever I was a young engineer and a young officer. I really want to reach out and touch as many people as I can and help them through some of the really harder aspects of getting up and running as a leader. There, there's so many things to think about as far as like who you are as a leader and how you interact with people. And if I can help maybe just a couple people, that's what I find most enjoyable at this time. What inspired that? Like, how did you come to that conclusion that was something that you loved and wanted to pursue? In the military, I'm in charge of 1,800 people. And as part of that, I have to debrief my officers and my senior enlisted people twice a year. And I tell them how they're doing. And it's my chance to sit down and talk with them and find out what's going on in their life and how I can help them. And do they need other resources? Do they need other training? What What is it that they need? And I really enjoyed doing this as, as a reserve officer. And I wasn't finding that in my daily engineering life. Uh, I work with other engineers, but I don't have that type of communication with them. And I thought, if I really want to bring this to a broader audience and be able to help more people and to assist more people and just listen to more people and their adventures and their uniqueness, I need to go outside of what I'm typically doing and that's really what I'm doing with you guys today. can't imagine what it's like having to lead 1800 people. I can't even like comprehend that in my head. I could I struggle with like three. Um, <laughs> do you find that the, I think we'll probably get into this in a later question, but the principles of leadership, do you find they're exactly the same whether you're leading 1800 people or three or do you find it differs? I mean obviously I guess it can't be as personable like when, you're ha- when you have 1800 people but do you find the general principles are pretty similar. Yes, they are very similar because you have to be yourself. If you're different among three people than you are among 1800 people, then you're not really being true to yourself. But the way that I look at it is that do you have a spectrum that you can lead within? And maybe whenever you're on the three people side, you're still being yourself, but maybe it is that more intimate type of leadership that more, we we call it sometimes that more intrusive type of leadership than with the 1800 people, where you might not be able to reach out and touch all 1800 people, but you still have to be yourself, you still have to have your goals, you still have to have your vision, but it just goes to a wider audience. And if you can get out and touch all those 1800 people in some way, like maybe standing in front of formations of three or 400 at at a time, you're still yourself. You're still portraying yourself as you would with those three people or five people or or 50 people, whatever that might be. But you have to understand like who you are, what your vision is, and where you want those three or 1800 people to go. I guess it's it's kind of all about that communication, isn't it? And making sure that's you're you're keeping that up and that's consistent. Absolutely. 
<laughs> we had this saying in, in America, vote early, vote often. It was, it was a joke about uh, the corruption of voting in Chicago in, in many years past. Uh, but it's like communication, vote, you know, communicate early, communicate often, always be honest, always give the most impactful message that you can and do it as regularly as, as you can because it starts to build trust in your team because they're hearing from you and they want to follow you if they know where you're going. And communication, especially now that we're, we're not all in an office, you know, we're spread out, you know, you're at your home, you're at your home, I'm at my home. We have to make sure that we're almost over communicating now because we can't just walk down the hall and hang out in the break room. I do. I was just about to say that, like, since we've all started working from home since March, I speak to my team so much more often than I ever did when we were all in the office. Because even when we were all in the office, like, we might have been, someone might have been in this particular office and someone might have been in another one. Or, like, we all kind of came in at different times or took breaks at different times. Or we were all just so busy. But then since we all went to work from home, we kind of had to make that time to communicate to each other. And yeah, I see them our way. It's on Zoom or, like, on Teams. Like, I see them more often and I talk to them so much more more than I ever did. And it really kind of hit home how important that was. It's very rare because I'm talking to a lot of other people that like, I don't talk to my boss anymore. You know, he never schedules meetings. So I'm so glad to hear that you guys have found a way to make it work for you guys. There are some days and I'm like, boss, can you just like give me a minute? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so like, I guess on the other end of the spectrum, what has been the most challenging moment or the most challenging part of your career so far? And how, how did you find yourself? able to overcome those challenges or that challenge? Oh, this is a hard one. So I had a terrible boss in Afghanistan. He was really big. I think he was like six foot seven by like 250 pounds, like just huge, big, intimidating guy that I had to report to. And he was a yeller and he was a screamer. And I really don't think that he liked women. And he would just degrade people left and right on the conference calls. I mean, it's like he almost had this wheel in his office and he'd spin it every day to figure out who he was going to pick on and yell at during all these conference calls. And we had other units that were underneath him. Um, I was the biggest. I was the most senior. And I just had this piece inside of me where I have to like stick up for the little guys that are getting picked on. And so what I did is I started to gather some of the other officers from the other units and I started to bring them up underneath me. And so now it wasn't that... He was yelling at them. He was yelling at me instead of them. And I felt like I was protecting them. But I mean, it was like a daily thing just over and over and the berating. And, you know, I, I told a friend of mine, I, I said, it's almost like he's the enemy on a daily basis. I mean, there there's a real enemy. They were trying to blow up my base. They shot at my helicopter. They were shooting, you know, and trying to blow up my convoys and things like that. That was the enemy. But I felt like this guy, he was the enemy because he was continually attacking on a daily basis over and over and over again. And so I was trying to stand up for these other officers and try to show them what compassionate leadership could look like and trying to help them. And it was really, really hard. But there's two things that kind of got me through it is realizing that I was helping others, that I was being that shield for others. And that helped me get through it. And then the other was really just a daily affirmation. I had just told myself, I am strong. I am strong. I am strong. Because there's literally days where I feel like I was in the middle of like a hurricane and I'm just trying to stop it. It's just, it's still like really, really fresh sometimes. Yeah, gosh, I can imagine. But it's like, but it's like, you know, just think about standing in a hurricane. You got the lashing wind and the the howling just coming at you like over and over and over. But you're protecting those behind you. And you have to be strong, not just for yourself, but for them. And I think that's what got me through it. Because it was hard. And just, you can see it's still a little bit hard. But 
But you know what? I got through it. And those other officers got through it. And you know what? I've had so many of them call me up later on and tell me, hey, thanks for taking me under your wing. You know, I've decided to stay in the army. I've decided to stay in the Navy because I understand what leadership is now. You know, it's like, it wasn't that other guy. Like that other guy, he just didn't, you know, he's just so attacking people all the time. And so that's what helped me get through that like terrible, terrible, like six months, just trying to be the shield for others. And then also just that affirmation that's like, I am strong. I'm strong for me and I'm strong for others. And we're just going to get through this. So that's probably been the, the most challenging period of my entire career. My goodness. And you know what? Those people who you shielded, they are so going to remember that. And they are going to remember how incredibly strong you were and how much of an incredible thing you did for those people, for them. Yeah, no, definitely. And do you know what? Sometimes it just takes one person to set an example. And in that case, you were that person. And the team that you were shielding appreciated that. As you said, you know, they've contacted you afterwards and thanked you for it and said, you know, I'm staying now because you've shown me that there is another way to do this. And, you know, you stepped up and you did that and you've inspired other people to carry on, you know, pursuing a career that they're passionate about. So I think that's something you should be incredibly proud of. And, you know, it's it's emotional even hearing it and you could obviously I could see you and it's it just shows like how much that meant for you. But things like that are the are the kind of the parts in life that that make a real impact. So I think even though it was a really challenging part of your life for you, you did something to help other people, which is incredible. And I hope so. And I hope that they do that for their people as well, that they learn from that to just stand up and be strong and shield those that they're in charge of. Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like... Hopefully that wasn't too deep. We love deep. We love deep. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that, like, if you, like, when I saw that question, I'm like, well, I know exactly what the answer to that is. It was that period of my life. I feel really bad now for putting that question in there. I'm like, oh. (laughs) No, no, no. I think it's important to hear. I mean, it's, you know, we all have these hard challenges that that we deal with. And and sometimes by talking about them and talking through them, there's going to be others, I'm sure, that are on this podcast that feel that same way that they have a boss that's just berating them all the time. And how are they going to get through that? Maybe this will help them a little bit. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay, so I guess just talking a bit more about leadership overall. So a lot of our audience are at a stage of their careers where they're just becoming managers and they're just sort of stepping up and learning how, kind of learning what it takes to, to be a successful leader. So as a leadership coach, do you have any advice for women who might be at the beginning of their leadership journey? So I have three pieces. Great. Okay. Number one, (laughs) number one, find a mentor. Whenever I was younger, man, I was so headstrong. I was like, I can do this on my own. I'm going to go take the world on. And, and I did, and I made mistakes and, you know, it set me back sometimes, but go out and find a mentor, you know, go find a female that inspires you. Go find a leader that you want to emulate. It can be a woman. It can be a man. It, it doesn't matter. Think about having a team of mentors. Maybe somebody's really good at finance, somebody's good at business, somebody's good at some type of analysis, or just sort of a life coach and, and, and go and talk to them and just listen to them and then go on and go take on the world. But at least that way you might be avoiding a lot of those pitfalls that you would have otherwise. Okay, number two is to know yourself. This is so important when you're starting to become a leader. And this is where I made a lot of mistakes, you know, whatever I was starting out. Take one of those tests that they have on Online that talks about your personality and find out 
what it is about you that you feel comfortable with. Like I, I understand that I'm not a yeller. I'm not a screamer. That's not who I am. I tried that once. It failed miserably. I mean, it was horrible. I was like, uh, that just, that just wasn't me. You know, I was like, uh, okay. I went back and I had to like apologize to people. It's like, I am so sorry. Like that was not the right way to lead. And so, so find out who you are and be comfortable with that. Uh, the, the the best thing that I found out is I took a 360 analysis where you send some questions to your boss, send some questions to your subordinates, and then the people around you, and you get some really good feedback about really who you are. You might be doing it and not even realizing. So number two, understand who you are as a leader. Then number three is to know your team. This is, this is more than just like, what are their strengths and what are their weaknesses? Everybody talks about that. What are their aspirations? What do they want to do when they, when they start to take over the world? You know, do they want to be part of the the company forever? Or do they want to be the president? You know, what do they want to do? What do they want to do under your guidance? Also think about what resources do they need to be successful? Go and ask, just go ask. What can you, what do you need to be the most successful person that you can? Maybe it's more training. Maybe they need their own mentor. Maybe they need a piece of software, whatever it is, go and find out. And then if you're a new leader, don't be afraid to not know the answer. Find out in your team who knows how to do something and be vulnerable. Go up and ask that person, hey, I don't really understand this. What do I need to to know about this? And can you help me understand what are the pitfalls? And because what that does is that shows that you're willing to listen to your team and you start to build that trust. And now all of a sudden you have an ally on your team that trusts you, you trust them, and you're going to go really far. So those are my three things. I love all of those. I particularly like really resonate with, um, that one about like knowing your team and what their aspirations are in a sense that my boss did exactly the same with me when I first started the job I I currently have and I remember him sitting me down and the the job I had at the time it was a very entry-level job but he I think he quickly realized that I could probably do more than what the job description was and he sat me down he was like so I know you're not going to want to do this forever so what do you want to do and how can we help you get there and now it's just like a bit of a running joke that like I want to take his job and like he totally knows (laughs) all about it and we just have this this really nice relationship now so I absolutely completely back up that point and also I think knowing your team outside of work really helps as well to build that rapport with them like knowing what their interests are and what they like to get up to outside of work it just it makes it a bit more personable doesn't it than just a boss you type relationship Mm -hmm. yeah I really liked your point as well about, you know, saying that it is okay to be vulnerable. And I think, you know, this is definitely something that I experienced when I first sort of became a leader is that you're like, oh, okay, right, I'm doing this now. I feel like I need to switch and suddenly be like 150% at everything. But actually, you don't know everything. And the reality is that you're you're constantly learning anyway. Um, and I think kind of going touching on that kind of trust element as well is that if you do have that element of full vulnerability people can connect with you a bit more and that's how you build those relationships with the team and then you all kind of believe in the same thing and you know you just have that really strong sort of grounded relationship so I think that's yeah a really important point there as well I really liked that I, mean, I just think of the opposite what if you came in and said oh well I don't know what I'm doing but I'm going to just make it up I mean, just think about just think about the ramifications there and how that's going to make them feel, you know, but you turn it around just like you said, hey, let them go out and do great things because that's the subject matter expert on your team and they are going to go and do fabulous things if you trust them. 
I will say that I've almost learned as much from the bad leaders as I have from the good leaders. And uh, looking at some of the, the, the not great leaders and some of the bad leaders that I've had and how they've reacted in certain situations, because I found that really across the board, really nothing's new under the sun. As a leader, you're going to come into the exact same situation that they did. And you have to think about what they did and what you would do so that when you're in the same situation, you go with what you feel is the right way and you don't fall into the trap that they did and do something horrible. So really almost analyze those those bad leaders. So Jen, sort of talking a bit more about your career overall, and I guess, could you talk to us a bit about what it's like to work in a male dominated industry and kind of how you've, how you've dealt with that and how you've, how you've overcome that, I guess. That's a great question. I always seem to be the only female in the room, to be honest. As an engineer, really there was, um, let's see, in my graduating class, there was 65 people and only four of us were female. So there just wasn't a lot of us. And I went into the military and we're only 9% female in the small group of naval engineers for what I do. And so I've always just been surrounded by all these men. And what has really gotten me through all of this is I just have to stand up for my principles. I, I am who I am. And a lot of it just had to go with understanding them and how they were expecting me to react. And a lot of times they were thinking, oh, she's going to go off and, you know, sulk in the corner or cry about it. That's just not me. And I was like, no, that's, I know this, that's what you're expecting, but that's not who I am. I'm standing up. This is what we're doing. This is what I believe in. And that's really brought on a lot of respect from them to me. And this reputation that I have for for who I am of just standing up and, and being a solid person that believes in myself and in my troops has gone forward. And most of the men that I work with now almost view me as their sister. And it's kind of funny because they almost feel like they have to protect me, you know, from, from others. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I don't need protecting, but, but that's, but I also understand and I listen to them and I respect them. And I just make sure that I always have that same respect from them. And I try to keep things as professional as I can. And that's how I've gone forward with this. Now, as I've gone through my career, there's more and more women that are starting to come into the engineering field, which is absolutely fantastic. And I'm very excited about that. And there's more women that are going into the military. And I'm excited about that also. And so it's looking to try to retain those women also and show them that, you know, we're, we're growing in our percentages and we have to still just stand by our values, stand for who we are and not try to be, especially earlier in the early days, like that stereotypical, you know, oh, I'm the girl, you know, I need to go do this, you know, but just say, that's just not who I am. It's like, hey, this is what I'm going to go do. And this is, and that's what's brought me through my entire career. Yeah, no, I love, do you know what it is? I found it's a case of letting them know that you know what you're doing. Because I think, like you say, they have this like kind of pre-perception of you that, oh, you're a woman. So like you say, you're just going to come in and do all the stereotypical woman things. But actually, as soon as you show that you know your ship, you know what you're doing, you can do this job, you've had experience of it and you're here, you're here to do the job as well as you can. I think as soon as you show them that's what you're there to do, that's kind of how you gain that trust. It's true. It's absolutely true. And I 
found also that I wound up probably working much harder than a lot of the men, especially in the beginning. I worked my tail off. I was there early in the morning till late at night to make sure that I knew my job, that I knew it better than anybody. And that also shows a commitment to others, especially the higher ups, that wow, she is she is a hard worker. She's willing to do this. And that's what I wanted to be seen for. I wanted to be seen for the work that I do, not, you know, that I was, you know, Jen Donahue. They wanted to show, oh, this is a hard worker. And that's the way that I wanted to be portrayed. Completely. We're, we were at like this virtual conference last week and at one of the seminars and this woman said that you have to show that you're twice as good to be seen as being half as good as the man next to you. And I, I don't know whether that's true for all industries, but I can totally see how like you do have to work hard to show them you're not like you say you don't want to be seen as just the woman in the room like you want to be seen on your credits and your merit and your experience and how well you can do things not she stands out like a sore thumb because she's the only woman so is there any advice you would give to your younger self knowing everything that you know now everything that you've experienced if you could like go back and and reach out to younger Jen what would you say to her I would first say get a mentor (laughs) like, <laughs> I'd like to refer you to question three. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> my number one. <laughs> like, like I said, I was so headstrong. Uh, I mean, I was, and and I'm still this way. I'm like, I am going to take on the world, and I am going to do great things, and I am going to do this. And back then, I was like, nobody's going to tell me that what I need to do, and I'm just going to go figure it out myself. And and that was great. That's a great attitude to have. But there's there's room within that framework to still have a mentor. And I didn't understand that at the time. And I believe that if I were to have a mentor to just say, hey, have you thought about doing this? Or someone for me to just bounce ideas off of, that would have gone a long way. There weren't a lot of females in my industry or in any industry that I was a part of in the beginning. And I should have not been so headstrong to not go up to some of the the males that I knew that I trusted and I wanted to emulate and, and talk to them about, would you be my mentor? Uh, I should have I should have gotten over that. I didn't know and understand that at the time, but I should have just figured out some way to to just have someone that I could talk to, you know, and then go out and go like take on the world. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love that. And I think it's a really important point as well. Like, obviously, we are girls in work and, and we really advocate for women. But like some of some of the best managers I've had have been men. And I think it is. It's that don't be so for me in any way in, in the past as well. I've always been like, oh, no, I want a woman. But actually, there are some really great men and the really great men who will really be your cheerleader as well. And they're not going to. There's a stereotypical thing. It's like, oh, like they'll patronize you and do all this. But actually, if you find the good ones, they can be incredible, incredible mentors. My greatest two mentors have been men. I I wrote the article about Norm, who is my mentor. And then I have another mentor who's a man. And a lot of times because they are in that position of power, because they're well known in the industry, I hate to say ride their coattails, but they're the ones that are going to advocate for you in the workplace and, and to these new customers and to the new clients. And as you start to really develop yourself, they're going to be the ones to champion you as you go forward. And so having a male mentor is not a bad thing. In some ways, it's very advantageous. You might need a female mentor also to say, these are the challenges that he might not understand. And you can, ha- and you can have more than one mentor. And and I love the bit in the article as well, where you, the beginning, you started talking about how um, like making mistakes and failures is like one of the best things you can do. And me and Em speak about this quite a lot. We talk about that a lot. <laughs> 
it's it's so true like I I was kind of always brought up and like through school and stuff you're kind of taught like oh my god making mistakes it's a bad thing like you're gonna get downgraded or like don't mis- make mistakes you get told off for making mistakes and you can learn so much like the biggest lessons I've learned have been from when I've made the biggest mistakes I've never done it again and that's how you learn that is so how you learn and that's how you get better it feels awful at the time you're like oh my goodness my life's about to end <laughs> but then <laughs> once you get over it and you take a minute you're like okay no that's happened for a reason mm-hmm. I know what the lesson is and I know how to how to go forward mm-hmm. definitely okay so this is our final question now and it's it's one we always like to ask at the end of our interviews um but I know obviously you've said Jen you wear a lot of hats already but if you weren't doing this job and you could do anything else in the world what would it be there's actually two things one I think I would have liked to have been an astronaut <laughs> I love this someone someone else said that I think <laughs> like, like, I know that that sounds so far out there, but I would have loved to be an astronaut. I love to travel. I love to fly. I was like, that sounds like a great idea to be an astronaut. It's like, and so I probably could have been an astronaut. But the other thing, and this is, this is the probably more down to earth one, is that maybe I should have been a professional baker. Like, I love baking. And so, <laughs> so I know that those are polar opposites. You know, one's, you know, an astronaut, the other one's a professional baker, but like, I love to bake. I love to make things, kind of like engineering, but I love to bake and, and, and give it away and make people happy and get them hopped up on sugar. But I love to bake. <laughs> so, so, like, maybe that's what was maybe my real calling, but uh, we'll never know. Oh my goodness, I love that. So one thing I always like to do at the end of our interviews is kind of just do a quick summary of some of the key points that we've spoken about today. So Jen, if there's anything else you want to add, please feel free to just chip in and let us know. Um, But these are some of the key takeaways that I found from this interview. So first one, and we spoke about it a lot, is find a mentor and not just one, make sure you've got a team of mentors. Second point is to to really know yourself and find out what it is about you that you feel comfortable with. Um, And I really liked how you spoke about doing a 360 analysis and get feedback from various people around you um, so you can really understand who you are as a leader and obviously be a successful leader. Um, third point is to get to know your team. So learn about their aspirations and what resources they need to be successful. So obviously they're feeling inspired to work for you as well. Don't be afraid if you don't know an answer and don't be afraid to go to people for help and it's okay to be vulnerable. And I think that's you know an important thing to think about when being a leader as well. You can learn as much from the good leaders as you can the bad leaders. So analyse both and then when you're in or presented with a similar situation yourself, you can do what you feel is truly right. And final point is as you navigate your career, always stand by your values. I really like that. Absolutely. Oh, that sums it up perfectly. Thank you. That's okay. That was really beautiful. <laughs> This has been incredible. So inspiring. Yeah, like we pretend that we do this for like our audience and our listeners, but really it's just for us to do. <laughs> it's just for us. <laughs> well, it's been so lovely to talk to you guys. Uh, you have such great interjections and your own stories that it all dovetails together because we all are going through a lot of the same things. So it's nice to hear that you have some of the same stories that I do. And just for everyone listening, where if anybody wants to like chat to you a little bit more, maybe or find out a little bit more about you, where can they find so you? So I'm on LinkedIn as Jen Donahue. Also have my own website, which is jendonahue.com. I can be reached via email at jen at jendonahue.com. Those are the best ways to get in touch with me. Thank you so much for your time, Jen. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Em. I really appreciate your time today. So that is it for another episode of the Girls in Work podcast. 
thank you so much for listening and if you enjoyed this episode please hit the subscribe button and if you do have time we would love for you to leave us a review as well that will help us get the word out that we are here don't forget you can also head over to girlsinwork.com for some more empowering and inspiring articles for women in the workplace if you'd like to get involved we would absolutely love to hear from you you can get in touch at hello at girlsinwork.com and we'll see you next week for another episode of the girls in work podcast